Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. This is This Day Rocks from Vintage Rock Pod. I'm Paul Stevenson. Today is June the 8th and we start on this day in 1969 when Mick Jagger, Keith Richards and Charlie Watts made a tough decision. The three of them visited Brian Jones at his home at Cotchford Farm to discuss his future with the group. His relationship with his bandmates had badly deteriorated and was beyond repair. The Rolling Stones released a statement saying that Brian would be leaving the band, and Brian himself told the press that he was leaving to play my kind of music. Sadly, less than a month later, he was found dead at his home. He was just 27 years old. Also leaving a band on this day in 1974 was keyboard wizard Rick Wakeman. He decided his time in Yes was up and that a solo career was his future. He then rejoined the band two years later, but then left again four years after that. Well, it's complicated. Back on the Rolling Stones theme on this day in 1974, Bill Wyman became the first of the Stones to release a solo album. His record, Monkey Grip, wasn't a success though, just sneaking into the top 100 in America and peaking at 39 in the UK. A song that did much better though was Tears for Fears and Everybody Wants to Rule the World. It hit number one on the US Billboard Hot 100 on this day in 1985 and the song would go on to win the best single at the 1986 Brit Awards. And on this day in 1970, Deep Purple had their van and equipment impounded by the East German police. The band were on tour in Europe at the time and mistakenly drove too close to the East German border. But for today's main show then, we're going to look at a record released on this day. Yes, on this day in 1976, Blue Oyster Cult released their most commercially successful album, Agents of Fortune. It was the group's fourth studio album, and it went platinum for sales in the US. It turned out to be the only album not to feature any songs written by Eric Bloom, and it was also the only album to feature at least one lead vocal performance by each of the band's original members. Brilliant the way they used to spread out the lead vocal duties. Anyway, some cool stats. When it was released, a Rolling Stone magazine wrote that Agents of Fortune is a startlingly excellent album. Startling because one does not expect Blue Oyster Cult to sound like this. Loud but calm, manic but confident, melodic but rocking. 
Of course, this was the album which also featured their monster hit Don't Fear the Reaper. And I talked about this amazing, incredible song when I interviewed the original member, Albert Bouchard, way back on episode 44 of Vintage Rock Pod. What was your thoughts at the time, and what's your thoughts about the song now, looking back 45 years on? Oh, well, uh, you know, I the first time I heard it, well, actually not the first time. The first time I heard it, uh, Don had just called me up and said, here's, the, here's, the, here's this riff I just wrote. I think it's really cool. And I was like, oh, yeah, it sounds a little bit like Teen Archer. He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm using the same chords, you know. And he gave me a cassette, you know, to listen to on a plane. I had my, my Sony Walkman. And um, so I uh, listened to the cassette and I'm like, whoa, this is a hit. Holy cow, man. This is the best song I've ever heard, you know. And uh, I thought it was just amazing. It was, uh, it was unusual. Uh, now. There was only one verse, just the one verse. And I was like, oh, Don, you need to make it longer, though. It's only like a minute and a half. <laughs> I said, well, I got some ideas. He goes, don't worry, I got it all figured out. <laughs> yeah, and, but I knew, it was, I knew it was a hit. And, and how do I feel about it now? I love it. I still love the song. I think it's a phenomenal uh, uh, piece of music and also a phenomenal idea. I really, uh, what upset me for a little while was that when people said, oh, it's about suicide. And I'm like, what? I never got that, you know? And then they're like, well, Romeo and Juliet. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, is that what you think of when you think of Romeo and Juliet? I mean, not me. I think about these lovers, you know, and how crazy they were about each other and how their families were against it and all of this other stuff, you know, against all odds, you know. So I thought it was just super romantic. You know, I think Don, you know, he was raised as some Protestant religion, and I think he's sort of agnostic. You know, he's not really into going to church or any of that stuff. So, uh so this was his, his like trying to imagine a life at, after death. And I'll be back tomorrow with more on this day, rock goodness. So until then, take care. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions, and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. 
Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.